Jennifer Zapparelli. Weekday morning from 9 on 2FM. It is 11 minutes past 11. It is Wednesday, so let's do it. Warning. The following item is not recommended for little ears. Because it's time for a dose of sex therapy with Rachel Cook. Okay, it is sex therapy time. So, as always, a little Lear's warning. Remember, you can catch this chat on our podcast after the show. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, our sex and relationship slot with Rachel Cook, we actually chatted about the birds and the bees, how to talk to kids, how does the conversation arise, the do's and the don'ts. This week, we're going to revisit it because we need to talk about teenagers in your life, sisters. Uh, children, whatever, young adults, just about some of the issues that arise and, you know, and how to navigate and help them take that step into the world of intimacy. Oh, God, I'll be dreading that day. Um, but I shouldn't. That's why we need to talk to Rachel. Rachel's here. Hiya. Hiya. How's it going? Good. I'm here. I'm here to talk about all of us. Oh, I'm so glad we have you. <laughs> um, last week went so well, just um, instigating that chat. And it, it, it got me throughout the whole week asking my friends who had kids of a similar age to Florence. Oh, going, yeah. um, I was like, did you have the chat about the birds and the bees chat? And I was shocked, really, Rachel. Go how on. many parents hadn't even mentioned the word period with their Ten-year-old, you know what I mean? It was mad. It was mad. But then I then have put it into their head, like my friend put it into my head. And talking is good. Talking is good. We're going to move on to teenagers. I presume it's trickier. Mm, I think it depends on what you find tricky. You know, because as we kind of touched on last week, there's going to be different things. Sometimes you're not aware beforehand what stuff is going to kind of activate trigger or or stress you out in talking to your kids sometimes it's gonna it is going to be a surprise to you as to what kind of like yeah gets you feeling like you know uh, Mm. stressed about it um and other times you're just you're going to find it way easier than you thought either because your kid already has quite a lot of information and they're not very awkward or uncomfortable about talking about it um or you just find that you get into your flow so i would say no it's not inherently more difficult talking to teens it just might be a bit more complicated depending on where they're at and what they have going on in terms of relationships with people. Speaking of which, um, and we said to help navigate them as they step into the world of intimacy. Yeah. I was, we were talking in the office about this and we were talking about the pressure we felt yeah. to lose our virginity by a yeah. certain age. I'm presuming <laughs> young adults uh, and teenagers would have the same pressure these days. They definitely do. I think it's slightly different to what it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, of course, because it kind of, you know, each generation, I think, and depending on where you are in the world, has a different sort of set of kind of cultural expectations and pressures and stuff. But, you know, definitely, you know, although it's quite different for, let's say, Gen Z at the moment, um, there's still, you know, there's, there's still a lot of pressure to be to be cool, to be doing what other people are doing, yeah. to know to know the information about what's going on with like, it could be niches in porn. It could be, you know, sexual practices that are seen as kind of being the big thing that year or for your age group or whatever. And so there is a huge amount of pressure, you know, and peer pressure, you know, it's not just from the media and what the kind of movies are telling us or popular TV shows and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's also pressure from, from, from your peers at yeah, school, totally. you know, where teens might, yeah, teens might worry that they're behind their friends sexually or they feel pressure to do things that they're not ready to do, um, you know, in order to kind of win approval or hold on to their kind of social capital. 
helpful. Um, and also just to feel like they're maturing. You know, that can often be the case that you want to feel like an adult. You want to feel that you're doing these things that adults get to do. And so, yeah, you can be potentially feeling either that you're a real loser because you're far behind or that you're, you know, it's great that you're so experienced and far ahead. And that might not be, you know, it might not be that you have a lot of support in that. How do you talk to your teen, though, about the right time to have sex? Okay, well, the right time, I would say, you know, well, we've got to talk about the pressure first, you know, around the right time, you know, that it's like it's never okay to pressure someone to engage in any kind of sexual or romantic activity, you know, or to go further or faster than they're ready for. And likewise, no one should ever feel, um, you know, pressure for them to do the same. So, you know, talking to your your teens about how they would know if they felt pressure, what sort of things would someone be saying, what sort of thing, you know, if they feel like, you know, because they might be the one doing the pressuring um, and it might be sometimes you'll find it's both, you know, that they're experiencing pressure from others and they're also pressuring some other people. So you're having to deal with both sides, whatever the gender of the child. Now, it tends to be that the way our society is socialized and um, that it's going to be men pressure, boys pressuring girls more so than the other way around. But of course, it can be girls pressuring boys and also, you know, depending on their sexuality, boys pressu- pressuring can, boys. Exactly, exactly. And so we've got to talk about, you know, uh, if someone is applying pressure, don't stay quiet. You know, it's really important to say, you know, if you can to that person in that in that situation, you know, this is making me uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. Leave the situation. Speak to a parent or a teacher about that, um, you know, and really discuss what impact, you know, that your 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 teens might have on other people that their actions can have on other people. How would they feel if someone touched them without their consent, you know, um, and let them know that they have the right to have their sexual boundaries respected and so do other people? Because, you know, we really have to talk frankly about the the impacts of sexual misconduct and putting pressure on other people and what how that can lead to, you know, trauma. It can lead to all sorts of awful stuff. So you have to be quite frank about that because, you know, in terms of age, People are generally starting to play around with each other. That could be just kind of looking at each other's bodies and stuff from very early on. You know, Mm. often kids are looking at each other's bodies in the playground or in the school toilets from like five or six. And so by the time you get to teenagers, although they might not be having penetrative sex, they might not be having intercourse until somewhere between 15 and 18 is pretty common. And there might still be quite a lot of, you know, touching oral sex going on and stuff like that. And so you know, you've got to be aware that it's it may well be happening long before you think that it's before you get be to the party. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How can you discuss sexual health and use STIs uh, to put them off? Well, <laughs> it's not going to work. No. As we all remember from the videos that we saw of, you know, kind of giving birth and STIs and how, you know, sex outside of marriage just leads to awful things. It doesn't put kids off. It just means that they feel more like anxiety and shame and also a sense of kind of rebellion about it. So I think ideally you're really going to be talking to them about how to have safer sex. You know, it's not safe sex because no sex is completely safe. Um, But that, you know, we also need to be talking about, you know, how it's definitely not just the responsibility of girls to, you know, kind of keep themselves safe um, and have contraception. You know, we need to make sure that boys, if they're having sex with girls, 
um, particularly in relation to obviously pregnancy, that they're just not having sex without condoms um, and that there are frank conversations going on between, you know, these teenagers as well about, you know, what their kind of knowledge and awareness is of sexual health, of different um, STIs that you can get and, you know, how to kind of work mm-hmm. around that so that, again, it's not an, a, a kind of... Um, you know, it's not about shame and taboo. It's about having knowledge and consent and awareness and being able to talk about that. Consent. Let's talk about that. Um, it's so important to discuss. I I would, I mean, m- my kid is talking about consent in school now and she's Great. seven, which is phenomenal. Well done Brilliant. to the school she goes to. Um, but do, do they... F- forget or has that chat not been happening with teens i find that sometimes teenagers might struggle with this they do they must be struggling part of this is because you know know, consent requires quite a lot of you know um kind of confidence in terms of talking about stuff and also you know being open in relation to you know we're talking about kids going through puberty they're embarrassed about their bodies you know they feel insecure and unsure of themselves they're worried about being too far ahead or too far behind and all these sorts of things and also it's not really a stage where people have very much empathy you know so that's also you know it's quite a self-centered time of life to be an adolescent and so it's another thing around this kind of you know consent and boundaries that people are often much more focused on and i would say particularly boys again the way that you know our society is conditioned boys are are socialized to be much more you know kind of selfish to be more concerned with what it is that they want to get from a situation and girls are socialized to be much more accommodating and people pleasing and when you put those things together that can be pretty disastrous. So we have to be as aware as possible of, you know, verbal consent, which is, you know, being able to talk about stuff and saying, you know, are we moving at the right speed? Are you still okay with this? I want to let you know that we can stop at any time. Are you comfortable with me touching you here? Um, Can I touch you here? Um, Are you enjoying yourself? Would you like for us to slow down? These sorts of things that you can tell your kids that they can they can ask and they can say, um, you know, and also being aware of nonverbal consent. You know, it's not a good thing to only rely on nonverbal consent for sure. But, you know, it's really good for, for teens to be learning about how if someone is kind of leaning away from you, you know, are they pulling away or are they kind of leaning in? Are they responding kind of positively or are they, you know, kind of freezing up or avoiding being touched? Because if someone is freezing up, and they seem to have gone, you know, silent and still. Um, that is a very, you know, that is absolutely a red flag that you need to stop whatever you're doing and wait until they can, you know, kind of talk to you about what's going on for them because they might be having a trauma response. They might just be feeling a lot of pressure and anxiety in that moment. Um, and so you've got to yeah. look at the nonverbal consent as well. And also, also what isn't consent, you know, like just because people are flirting with each other doesn't mean that that's consent to touch or to have sex, you know, just because someone's wearing kind of a sexy outfit, obviously that doesn't mean that you're allowed to touch them or assume that they want to have sex with you. That sort of stuff as well. Very important chat to have. Yeah. What about, I, I presume it's going to be harder to read signals if you're out of your mind. You know, there there is the issue of alcohol and substance uh, use. Uh and having that chat with girls and boys, or you know, is very, very important because that can blur, not blur, that can confuse people with consent. They might be able to read signals quite well if they're off their face. Totally. And, you know, you're not going to stop people. You're not going to stop teenagers from drinking alcohol. You know, a lot of teenagers start drinking somewhere between the age of, you know, yeah, 10 and 13. You know, when they're having their first drink, it might not mean that they're drinking, you know, every week or every night. 
but they probably have started drinking by the age of 13. They'll have tried alcohol a few yeah. times, probably. And so by the age of, you know, 15, 16, 17, they're very likely going out to different kinds of socials. They might be going, you know, there's definitely people who are getting into pubs still underage for sure. And certainly, you know, going around to each other's houses and having parties and drinking, you know, stopping them from doing that is not going to stop them from, you know, or attempting to stop them from drinking or going out is not going to stop them from doing those things. Um, so it's better that you can talk to them about how to be as safe as possible around alcohol, you know, knowing their limits, you know, if it is that they want to have, you know, a couple more drinks that, you know, maybe they you, you talk to them about how they can, you know, kind of like have boundaries around what sort of sexual activity they're going to potentially engage in. Because, you know, so many of us had awful experiences as teenagers because we got, you know, rat arse drunk and, you know, then stuff happened that yeah. may not have been non-consensual, although it very, very well have been and certainly was for some people. But even if it was consensual that when you're sober, you're like, oh, I really wish that hadn't happened. That didn't feel very safe. It didn't feel very connected. I feel kind of either dirty or ashamed or confused about what happened now. And that can be, you know, a, a disaster. So really talking to them, you know, rather than trying to kind of make them feel ashamed for wanting to drink or to experiment with drugs, that you talk about how to make that as safe as possible. How do we bring up the porn chat without driving mm. them to the Internet to f see what porn is all about? <laughs> I mean, I presume a lot of them have seen it or heard of it or been curious about it. But that's a conversation. I mean, that's the scary. I mean, everything that we talk about, we always go, oh, you know, and, and some of the porn, it, it's the porn industry's fault for this, this, this and this. Yeah. Some of the porn. So how do we bring that up with our teens? I would literally just bring it up, just say, hey, I'd really love to have a chat with you about porn. And, you know, you're probably going to feel a bit awkward. You can smile and kind of have a bit of a laugh yeah. and just say, you know, I feel, you know, you can potentially say to them, I feel a bit uncomfortable and awkward about it too, but I think it's really important for us to have a chat. You don't have to launch it on them right then and there at the dinner table. You can say, can we have a chat about this over the weekend or can we set a time aside over the next few days? They might, you know, be very happy to have that chat with you. They might be like, oh, mom, gross. You know, might, you know they might be like, dad, that's, you know, why I don't want to talk to you about that stuff. You know, and what you can say is, I know, I get it. And, you know, I really think this is important for us to talk about, you know, as a family, you know, this is the age that you're at. You're going to have access to phones and to porn. And of course, you're going to be curious and there's nothing wrong with that. And I really want us to talk about how we can be as safe as possible mm. and that know that you can come to me and that there are also potentially other adults, which might be, you know, other members of the family that might be family friends it might be you know um other people potentially um in the community depending on you know your your situation that they can go to that it doesn't have to be that you're their sole source of kind of information about sex and porn ideally there's at least a few people they can talk to but also designating those people that you can say look if you really don't want to talk to me you know i've had a chat with your cousin who's an adult and they have said that they would be very happy to also talk have to some I've got a text in says hi Jen my daughter is 19 and I know she is having sex with her boyfriend we don't yeah. have a great relationship but I worry he might be pressuring her into stuff he has seen online and she thinks it's normal any advice yeah so I've no idea from that text whether that person from the chats that they've had with their daughter is you know feels that there is some signs that the boyfriend could be pressuring her or that she's just that the person is just saying 
you know, um, I'm worried that could be happening because I know that it's a very common thing, which it is. You know, we've talked a lot about the pressure that comes from, you know, kids having been watching, you know, generally mainstream porn, which is the porn that is free online um, with, you know, thousands of massive websites Mm -hmm. that have tons of porn that tends to go in a very particular direction uh, you know a lot of it has people of very very similar body types uh, they generally tend to be you know white slender no blemishes um you know they tend to be uh, having a certain kind of sex that also inv- often involves a lot of you know kind of violence or rough sex and sexual practices that involve that which again is not to say that that can't be a consensual and enjoyable part of sex but that that is often you know, a lot of um, potentially very damaging messaging for people to get very early on when they don't really know a lot about bodies and sex and kind of Mm -hmm. relationships between people. And so, yeah, I would say sit down with your daughter and again, talk to her about whether she feels able to share with you. Be as non-judgmental as you can, you know, start by not really having too many opinions and just kind of saying, I really just want to hear what's going on for you and want you to know that I'm supporting you and I won't have all the answers. And also you can ask them to let you know how they can, how you can support them. I think that's a really great question to ask is to say, you know, there's going to be times where I feel like giving you advice because I love you and want to protect you and care about you. And I've also been through, you know, being an adult, being an adolescent myself um, and had some good and bad experiences of that. But I would really like to, you know, open that conversation up and have you feel that this is a safe space for us to talk. And then you can be very frank. You can say, you know, I've seen some of that mainstream porn and I know that some of the messages could be that you think it's maybe normal for your boyfriend to choke you or slap you or be, you know, roughly pulling your hair. And, you know, that that does not have to be a part of sex. It doesn't have to be something that you feel that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, let's let's talk more about that. Absolutely. Uh, Rachel, thank you for that. Always great to have you on and uh, we'll chat next week. Thanks, Rachel. And if you have anything you would like us to discuss in sex and relationship therapy, you can just send an email at jen at rc.ie. Jennifer Zapparelli. Weekday morning from nine. On 2FM.